All right, so we're just going to jump in today because I got um, a story to tell you a little bit later. It's going to take some time to get through. So if you, we're in the Gospel of Matthew, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. We're finishing it off today. We're going to be in verse 53. Um, but to catch you up where we're at um, in this series, because we're, it's during the summertime that we do our Matthew series where we go through a book of the Bible, um, and so just to catch you up where we're at, in the, there's about five sections of Matthew that's kind of separated by uh, Jesus' sermons. Um, and so the first one is, in the first section, is all about who Jesus is and how he fulfills the Old Testament. But not just that he fulfills the Old Testament being a prophet like Moses or a king like David, but he is, a, he is the God come down. And so that whole first section, the first seven chapters of Matthew, help us to understand this, that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament, and he is the God come down. And so that's the first seven chapters. In the second section, it, is, it turns, so it focuses, it ends with, section one ends with this idea that, okay, now put this, this person right here, right, this Jesus, is God come down. So you need to listen to him and put his stuff into action. And so we get to the sending out of the 12, the, the little commission. And this whole section is just about, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you got to put his teachings into practice. right? You can't just, as James says, be a, a hearer of the word. You have to actually be a doer. Okay, So you have this, this whole section that focuses, and then these disciples are sent out. All right? Then in section 3, uh, the disciples come back, and now Jesus takes them into deep teaching about, okay, what does it mean to be a disciple? Who qualifies, right, as a disciple? Who can say I'm a disciple? Who, um, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What is the end result, and what is the, the, the worth of it? And so this whole section talks about really understanding Jesus' uh, message. And so Jesus' message can be encapsulated in this idea that humanity is in a state of sin and it should be in need of a, so there should be an F somewhere in there, in need of a Savior. Okay, that's not Greek, right? That's a misspelling. Um, so yeah, that this is encapsulates Jesus' teachings up to this point that we are in sin and we need a Savior. Okay, and so to understand that and to really get that. And then last week we talked about, um, and week, so we're at week 25 this week. And last week we talked about this understanding that Jesus is calling people to realize the worth of the kingdom. Right? What, is, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What is that? Do we just look at it as, well, it's just something to do, something to believe in, something to go to? Or. What is it worth? What is the kingdom worth? And so Jesus tells a, a series of parables to help us understand what that means. And that's what we talked about and how if we really understand the kingdom and how much it's worth, then we are willing to lose everything to gain the kingdom. And so that was from last week. And now we're going to enter into, we're going to take two weeks and we're going to look at two examples of what follows. If when you're thinking about this, if you accept Jesus, right, or hear Jesus, there are two ways to, to go from there. And in Jesus' parable of the four soils, we see that there are multiple ways when you hear the gospel to react to, to respond to. 
And Jesus told us that um, there's the the soil that is just pavement, and it the message gets said, and then the person just loses it right away. And then there's the, the person that hears it, but it's in rocky ground, meaning that when persecution or hard times come, they lose it. Um, the, and we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about hearing the word, hearing the, the word of God. And then there's another soil that hears it, but the, the world's wealth and the things of the world choke it. And then there's the good soil that actually hears it and, and it grows deep. And so we're going to see that actually play out in the interactions that Jesus has. And so that's what we come to Matthew chapter 13, verse 53. So we're going to read that and then we'll get into the rest of it. So here we go. So in verse 53 of chapter 13, when Jesus had finished these parables... He moved on from, where, from there, coming to his hometown. He began to teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? They asked, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, only in his hometown... Uh, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. I love this point because it, it's one of those things where the Holy Spirit is working in Matthew to help us connect Jesus' teachings to, re, to reality. And so there's this situation where Jesus tells these parables and then Matthew goes, and then. So this connects there's actually two points that are going to connect next week and this week, but we're focusing just on this. Jesus then goes into his hometown. He speaks these parables, prepares his disciples, and then they're actually going to see how this works in real life. He goes into his hometown and he goes to the synagogue and he starts teaching like he usually does. This is a common thing for um, uh, traveling teachers. He goes in there and he must have done some miracles because they respond with, where, where's this wisdom? Where are these, uh, this, this power comes from? So he's teaching, and he's doing this, these miracles, and then they say, where does it come from? And that response is a correct response, right? Where does this come from? If we don't know who Jesus is, and we see something that's, that he says he, that he does, and then we must ask, well, where do you come from? Well, if you're following in the Matthew so far, you know, right? You know he's the fulfillment of the Old Testament. You know he's the God that comes down. You know that you're, it's his word that you're supposed to follow. And so you already, as you read through Matthew, you should already find the answer. You should already know. Where does this come from? It's God. Right? You should be able to answer the questions that are presented by these people. But then it goes into this, don't we know him? Didn't he grow up here? Isn't his mother's isn't his mother Mary? Don't we know his brothers? Don't we know his sister? And it says they took offense to him. Now I don't know about you, back in my life, um, I don't know how many people would still remember my name in town, but there was a time when everyone knew my name in town. And it wasn't for a good reason. Okay. And so if I were to go back there, I know that there are people that go, oh, I remember you. Right. You know, you're the one that did that thing. It was pretty horrendous. I'm not going to tell you right now. 
Um, but but you you people know you, especially in the hometown, right? Those of you who's from a real small town, okay? And I'm gonna let's let's do small town. There are small towns. Okay, so picture this. Um, my wife is from a very large city, uh, San Jose. Okay, almost a million people when she was there, right? She moved to Redding, California, where she went to school, where I met her. And she said, man, this town's so small. Redding at the time was about 80,000 people. Okay? It was huge at the time. Right? But to her, a small town. I came from a town of 3,500. Okay, so who, who here can beat that? Right? So... Yeah, so you, then, you go, then you get real small towns, right? I've known people from places that will only have 30 people. Okay? Um, so there are small towns. And the smaller you get, the more people you know. You know, and then everyone knows. Right? And so, th- but at this point, um, Nazareth isn't a big area. And most people would know each other. And so when Jesus walks in, they would know him. The problem is, they don't know him. Because there's a difference in knowing who Jesus is. That he's the son of Mary. That he's the brother of Joseph and then Simon and, and Judas. And, and that he has sisters there. And that he was the carpenter's son. But they didn't know Jesus. And that's the big thing here. They didn't know him. And as he's speaking the gospel, that gospel message is falling on concrete. It's falling on pavement. Because they think they know, but they don't. And this is the application here from Jesus' parables. That you can assume you get Jesus, but you really don't. And this is... This is really important because when we start thinking, do I know Jesus? You know how you know Jesus? It's when the rubber meets the road. Because you might think, oh, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian since I was yay high. I know Jesus. The question becomes, do you know Jesus when the hard times come. Because this is one of the reactions to hearing the gospel message. And to know if you know Jesus is when I go through those hard times, do I walk away from God? That's one of those categories, right? The seed onto the rocky soil. That The idea there is as the plant is trying to grow, it can't because there's nothing to grow into. There's no depth. You know, or are you the, the thorns? So when the, the wealth of the world and the things of the world, those desires come, does that, I don't really know Jesus because I walked away. The, the gospel message did not take root in my life. And that's what this section of the response of the people say. Do you know Jesus? Now, I'm going to get some real personal with you guys. Is that okay? Um, and the reason why 
is I ask is, uh, okay, because I've been told that it's not becoming of a pastor to be honest. Uh, yeah. So, but I'm going to be honest with you guys. Right? I had an opportunity to not follow Jesus this week. Multiple opportunities, let's put it that way. This week, we, were, we went up to the Navajo Nation, right? I wake up at 4 a.m., and on my phone, I have a text message from an unknown number, a local number, but an unknown number. It was a picture of a woman in her bra asking for sexual interaction. The first thing I did, Marika, look at this. My wife, look at this. I want you to see it. I want you to know that this happened. I don't want to keep it from you. Block the number, delete the text. But it was an opportunity to not follow God. It was one of those desires, right? So we go about, everything goes good. We get up to the Navajos. It's a great trip going up. Have a great time up there. I feel blessed. Our group feels blessed. We come back on our way back. One of my elders shows me a Facebook post that talks about the pastor and his wife are gossips. And it's talking about me and my wife. And the, the thoughts that came to my mind were instant, I want to fight this. I, I wanted, in fact, I thought, you know, being very, I, I can do things online and I could create a whole new account and I could just attack this. Like, these are the thoughts going through my mind. And I know I, I, I'm talking to God. I know I'm not supposed to, but man, do I want to. Because I know this is false. I know the whole situation that is being talked about, and I know verifiably that it's false. And, but I'm just angry. And so I, I called um, our district superintendent. He spoke this past year while I was up at um, winter camp. Um, and he goes, in his prayer... Lord, we know that we fight against, we do not fight against flesh and blood. We know that the enemy is trying to work here. Um, let us not respond as the world responds. In that prayer, I go, shoot. <laughs> because I know that's true. And I know I want to. And so I said, okay, God, I just give it up. The post was taken down. I don't know why, but it was taken down. But this week, I thought a lot of thoughts like, you know, it's, maybe we should just step down from the ministry. No, 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 don't just <laughs> follow this. Um, I thought maybe we should stop down because there's so, so often I talk to people and they know I'm a pastor and any little thing I do is under scrutiny. I can't do anything. And I, you guys know. I'm not a, a perfect person. <laughs> not even close. I say dumb things all the time. I put my foot in my mouth all the time. I, this past year has been really hard as far as like keeping schedules and things. I fell constantly at it. You know, and so it's just this, it'd be a lot easier not to do it. And I know that I couldn't do that. Like God's like, no. 
You know, this is nothing. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. Um, you probably have seen the movie The Passion, right? The Mel Gibson. Okay. But there's a, a beautiful picture of an on-set scene. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a scene, but it was on the set. It's just this photograph. And it's um, the guy that's playing Christ, um, Cav- Caviso or something like that. Uh, yeah. Um, he's sitting there in full, this is during a beating of Jesus scene. So he's completely covered in blood, and he's got the crown of thorns. His garments are ripped, and you have Mel Gibson sitting next to him, completely just clean and in white and jeans and everything. And the actor's just sitting there listening, and Gibson is telling him something. And the caption is, me telling Jesus my problems. And that came to my mind. It's like, oh man, Jesus... This is so hard, and I'm just thinking, wait, I am the guy that is in the clean clothes telling Jesus my problems. And this is, the, the reason I share this with you isn't to be like, look what I did, but rather the temptation of walking away from God is really easy sometimes. To give in to desire, to give in to anger and to the hate that would cause problems is really simple. It's really easy. That's why we need to grow deep in our relationship with Christ. Because there, if I wasn't deep in my relationship with Christ, there would be, it would be easy to just walk away. Seriously, it would have been real easy. You know how easy it is to submit a, a resignation? Really easy. I, well, not for you because <laughs> you're, you're stuck here. But, but this, I have known pastors who have had res, resignations written for months waiting to just give it. It's really easy. Um, we went to the, uh, our district conference last week, and we were told that it, right now from Barnum's um, Barnum Research Group, they have said that 30% of all pastors have um, quit during the pandemic the two years, 30%. That's huge. I think it's another 40% have contemplated it. I, I didn't. This week I did. But, yeah, that's after the pandemic, right? But that, I just want to encourage you that it, it happens to all of us. Those, those temptations to, to indulge in the sin of the world, to to leave our faith, to say, man, it's just easier. This is what the psalmist says when he says, look at the wicked and how they prosper. Why don't the righteous? It's really easy. But to be good soil means to say, God, cultivate me. And I love this. So in Matthew 7, we get this this interaction, going back to our text of of the people that hear the word, Right? They know Jesus. And I love this, this moment in, in the Scriptures that happens before this. Jesus ends His Sermon on the Mount, right? That long time, that Sermon on the Mount, and He says this, Not everyone who says to Me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of My Father who is in heaven. Many will say to Me on that day, Lord, Lord, do, we, 
did we not prophesy your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. The knowing of Jesus is so important. The growing deep in our faith is so important. And this, what's interesting is right before this, we covered this last summer, but right before this, in chapter 12, you get this, this moment, and it seems kind of, uh, here's your Mother's Day sermon. There's a moment in chapter 12, verse 46. It says, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told them, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, the person telling him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of the Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, as ladies, as a mother, wouldn't that hurt? That would hurt. My son just said, I'm not his mother. That's not what he's saying there. But it gets home at this idea that if we're going to be the family of God, God's family, God's children, we need to be doing, not just hearers of what God says, but actually doing it. We have to say, God, cultivate. I want to be good soil, God. This is actually my prayer this week. So I spoke to you last week on this. And then my prayer this week, as I'm going through this, God, make me good soil. I don't want to fall away, you know, to just, to just hear the word and not put it in practice. Lord, help me put it in practice. And so just as understanding that we need to know Jesus, not just think we know him. Right? And how do we know Jesus? By doing what he says. Right? By actually putting into practice what he says. Doers of the word. And I love this at the very end. Um, or And, and, and I, I love this. James, one of those brothers of Jesus. I love how he takes this and understands it. Um, in his second chapter, there's this whole section of what it means to be a doer of the word, be, to be faithful to Christ. I'm only going to pick up on three verses just real quick. It's verses 14, 19, and 26, just because it's a long section. But he says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Right? Can such a faith save him? And what he's saying is, he's not talking about earning salvation or anything like that. What he's talking about is, how does that reflect? Right? If you say you have faith, but you don't put into practice, is that a saving faith? Is that actually, because it's not really faith at that point. Right? Because what faith is, what the, uh, the idea of faith within the New Testament isn't just a mental understanding of something. It's saying, this is what God says, I'm going to do it. It's action. It's saying, yes, I, I accept that, and I do it. And then he goes on in verse 14. You believe that there is, a God, there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. He's talking about this mental understanding of God, this concept. We can have conceptual understanding of God, but if it's not in action, that's not real faith. Because the, what he's saying here is the demons understand that there's a God. They get it, right? Because unlike this, us... They've actually been in the, full, the presence of God. 
they understand better than anyone that God is real, that God exists, that God is powerful. You know the difference between them and those who have faith? They didn't do what God said. They rebelled against God. And so we are to be people that do it. We would have faith. And he says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So he's taking what Jesus is saying, this understanding of knowing him, of putting his word into practice, saying, what truly is your faith? And this is why, you know, we, get, we can get into this, this concept of, well, Jesus just wants me to do certain things, right? Um, I go to church. I do my, my religious responsibilities. I don't do certain activities because the church says they're wrong, right? That, that thing, I don't drink, I don't smoke, and I don't run around with girls that do, right? That No? You guys didn't have that saying when you were younger? Um, no. God wants all of us. Not just certain thoughts, not just certain actions, not just some things. He wants us all. You know, we have this vision that we put up on the walls, right? You know where this comes from, this idea? It comes from Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through 31. To me, this is a pivotal point in Scripture because it, it's, it's so deep. We don't have time to get into all of it, but listen to what Jesus says. He is asked, what is the greatest command? You probably have heard this before if you've been in the church for any amount of time. He says, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord. Okay, so just right there, verse 29, that is all intellectual understanding. He's saying the Shema, the, the, the prayer of Israel. It's found in Deuteronomy. It's just this prayer that the Israelites would say. Hear, um, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. But that's intellectual. The next part is the rubber meaning the road. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Just a quick kind of encapsulation of which each of those are. Heart, emotions, desire, mind, or soul. That's up for interpretation. I look at it as that is the giftings of God that he's bestowed upon you. But it's up for interpretation. With all your mind, all your intellect, all those thoughts, arguments, anything. Goes through that intellect. God says you got to love him with it. And all your strength, all that physical might you have. That encapsulates every aspect of us. God says, love me with all of it. So, which words are we supposed to say and not say? We're supposed to say words that glorify God. That's what we're supposed to say. And say a word from words that don't. Supposed to have thoughts that glorify God and not thoughts that don't. You know, so you start thinking about this and what words do I say that love God? Which you know, it's God, work in me, make me good soil. And so Jesus doesn't just want some of us, he wants all of us. Right? 
And then he goes on to say, and the second is as great, right? He says, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There, are, there is no greater commandment than these. So now it's not just what I interact with God, but with who else? Everyone else. My love for God is connected with my love for people. I have to love them. And that's where we get all this. Love by God to lift Him up in worship. To locate and meet the needs around us to point people back to Jesus' life. So that they too may love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and love their neighbors as themselves. This is what God is calling to us. Not that we would just think we know Jesus, but actually know Him. And next week... So these, this, inner, this situation we have in Matthew is people that think they know Jesus, but they are rejecting the message of the gospel. Next week, we'll, find, we'll see a disciple who did that followed through and find out where he ended up. Because sometimes, God doesn't take us down the pretty road. Right? So I want to challenge you. I want to leave you with this challenge. Very simple. Go to God this week. Read through the parables again. Read through this last part and have something of this as a prayer. Not The prayer doesn't matter in the sense of the exact words, but just something along the lines of God cultivate me into a good soil. And just by doing it, you know the reason why I give challenges at the end of the week? Because I want you to take it home and actually put it into practice because that's what God calls us to do. And so I want to challenge you. And just by taking the challenges and saying, God, I want to do this, you're saying, I want to, I'm good soil. Isn't that interesting? That once you put it into practice, you're saying, yeah, I'm, I'm following God. I'm doing what he says. Because I want to be that good soil. I don't want rocks. I don't want thorns. I want to be, if you remember last week, I want to be the good plant among the weeds. I want to be the good fish among the bad fish. And I, I had said in my sermon notes somewhere, I want to be the fish that walks with Jesus. And my wife goes, fish don't walk with Jesus. So I want to be a fish who swims to Jesus. Right? I want to be that good soil, that good fish for Jesus. You know? And so I want you guys to be there too. Because I got, I got to tell you, after this week, um, we're talking now Thursday. I'm coming to, to Thursday's my day where I just sit. I try to turn everything off um, so that I can write down what God's leading me to. And by that time, it was good. Like those things that I was dealing with at the very beginning of the week, I was like, oh God, you're, you're good. And I'm okay now. And then something happened yesterday that really threw it off. Anyways, but I was good on Thursday. So, but let's, let's be the people who are good soil, cultivated by our God, who will swim as good fish, all right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us, and I praise you because you are so good. And Lord, I, I want to thank you before this, just to thank you for our ladies in our, in our midst right now, that they are, no matter what role they played in someone's life, whether that be a teacher whether it be a stay-at-home mom or, or that working mom, that single mother, that um, wherever they find themselves, that grandmother, 
who's praying for her grandchildren or taking care of their grandchildren. Lord, I just want to thank you for them. And I ask blessings upon them, that they would be strengthened by your Holy Spirit, that they would be, to know that they are loved, to know that they are cared for, even if it's just one time a year. But Lord, I pray for their children, that they would bless her, that they would bless their mothers and their grandmothers and those people that are motherly in their lives. So Lord, I just thank you for them. And Lord, for us, that we would be people who are cultivated by your Holy Spirit, that we would know the will that you have called us to, and that we would be people that, at the end, that we would be separated into the good plant category, into the good fish category, because we knew the worth of the kingdom, and we strove to, to lose everything for it. And so, Lord, we thank you so much for all that you do for us, that you are a good God, and that we honor you today. It's your... Son's precious name we pray. Amen.